Thank you, Jesus. Are you okay? Okay. Okay, there's going to be four points to this message. And <clears throat> number one will be, you shall have no other gods. Because believe me, if you're hanging on some some false gods, these false gods are coming down. And that's a blessing. That's a blessing. Number two, we're gonna we're, I'm gonna teach you on understanding strongholds. Understanding strongholds. Number four, I'm going to teach on God's judgment on the stronghold. God's judgment not, not on you. Amen. Jesus took on that judgment. The judgment's on the strong man. The stronghold. And number four, uh, loss exchange for blessing. Loss exchange for blessing. You know the word says, and we all hit, we quote it all the time, why people go into captivity for lack of knowledge. Well, knowledge is coming forth. And captivity is being released. Amen. Knowledge is coming forth and captivity is being released. The Lord is anxious for His bride. He's like Bertie said, he is waiting on us. What are we waiting for? Waiting for truth. We're waiting for, waiting for the real thing that will wash us, that will sanctify us, that will promote us into more of him. And more of him. Him being promoted in us through our obedience. I'm going to build a little foundation. Romans 8.28 says, Be assured and know that all things, say all things, are working together and are fitting into His plan for good to those who love God and are called according to His design and His purpose. Listen to that. You are called to His design and His purpose. Not, Not the strong man's design, you see, the strong man that has a hold on our life, uh, he's got a design. And his design is to, to, to keep you from being like Jesus. He's, his design is to keep you from being formed, Jesus being formed in you. He doesn't want you to look like Jesus. He wants to keep Jesus hidden inside of you. But my wife and I were talking about Daniel today, and Daniel prophesied that the shining ones would come. The shining ones would come. And that's the ones that Jesus has fully matured in, and all you see is Jesus. That's the move that we're in right now. That's the hour that we're in right now. And there's an acceleration going on right now in that movement of of maturity in Him. But he says all things work simultaneously. Now get this, all things work simultaneously at the same time, yet cannot have both together. Did you get that? 
All things are working simultaneously at the same time. Yet we can't have both of them together. In other words, there's always going to be a negative and there's always going to be a positive. What happens when you put the two together? There's going to be an explosion. So, so you gotta, they've got to work together, but they can't be together. You can't have both of them together. God is saying fitting into his plan is not our plan. Our plan's been going on too long. That's why, that's why we're still infants. The church is still an infant. Our plan's been in place. Man's plan has been in place. I always say the bride, who is us, got a hold of God, but ended up with man. And man stunted her growth. Religion stunted her growth. But listen, it was all set up by God. He sets the stage. Don't you know he's in control of everything? He is in control of everything. But it says, for those who love God and are called to his design and his purpose. Do you love God tonight? Okay, then you're called to his design and his purpose. And his purpose and his desire is in his design. Do you hear that? His purpose, his desire is in his design. He's the great designer. Just like that building, he gave me that vision 15 years ago. And I finally just cast it on someone and they, they spit that thing out in 30 minutes on a computer. His design, not our design. That's not a church. That's a life center to wash the bride. Praise the Lord. But listen, we are humans. Listen, we are humans becoming divine. We're supposed to become divine. This is where we're supposed to be. And there is an acceleration going on. My wife thought, was talking today, it would be great if Jesus would come back in 2012 because there's so much going on. You know? And I said, well, Jesus is not coming back to him. He's, he's got a washed bride. He is not coming back to him. He has a washed bride. And, and you, you see the, everybody's on it now. Everybody in the remnants right now that you, that you turn on TBN, you got T.D. Jakes, you got some of these Creflo Dollar, everybody's on the same vein of renewing the mind, washing the bride, getting her ready. So all these dressing rooms are being created by God. And I love this, this ministry because people come in and people go out. People come in and people go out. That is a model being set in place for that building right there because, because that building is based on 1 Peter 5.10. Each one of those uh, towers going around the building are dressing rooms for the bride. And when she gets around to the fifth tower, I believe, or the sixth tower, I believe, she is sent out to go prepare the rest of the bride. Amen? His design, not ours. And His design is for you to be just like Him. His purpose is for you to bring His kingdom on this earth. Listen, we are kingdom people. The kingdom of God is in us and we're walking around on the earth with all this power in us. All this blessing in us. We're just walking around with it all capped up. 
I was meeting uh, several pastors on on Friday afternoon, and 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 one of them said, you know, the church in the in the Book of Acts had so much power. You don't see that power, but sporadic places like Verdice was given a testimony of. The whole church is supposed to have that power. You can't have power and hold on to man. You can't have power and be in bondage to man. Our stronghold is supposed to be Jesus. He's the one that has a strong hold on our life. Apostle Paul said, I lay hold of that which has laid hold of me. And that's Jesus. He's laid hold of us. So simultaneously, all things are working together at the same time, yet cannot have both together, it says. Dark and light cannot mix. Negative and positive cannot touch. Jesus said, take heed that light doesn't become dark in you. What does he mean by that? He said, take heed that the light in you does not become dark. How can that light become dark? Sin. Yielding to the strongholds in our life. We have a choice to bring darkness into our life. Amen? By yielding to our sinful nature. The more we yield to God, the more He yields to us. Amen? And He is the light. So the more we yield to God, the brighter we're going to get. The more we yield to Satan, the darker we're going to get. Increase in brightness. When we try to join together the two and everything there's so much going on right now every every christian i've talked to including myself all of us are going through things some of us already been through things and entered into a rest amen we've entered into a rest for the resurrection to take place because there is a resurrection that takes place in that rest and that's the desires of your heart but as soon as you embrace that resurrection, that desire, then you come into another trial. Okay? So what you do, you hold on to the blessing that you just received. And don't hold on to that trial. You're not on trial. The enemy's on trial. Your faith is tested, but you're not on trial. So the goodness of God says, look, hold on to the blessing that I just gave you. Hold on to that. Because you're going to have to go through another trial and another trial and another trial to get to this man right here, the lit up man full of glory. In fact, you're going to find more joy in the trial than you ever found joy outside the trial. That's where I'm at. I find more joy. You got to find it. If you don't find joy in the trial, you'll be a miserable person. You've got to find joy in the trial. The joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is salvation. Amen? The joy of the Lord is salvation. God says tonight, He knows what He's doing. I was in worship, and it was like a, a loud silent voice he said I know what I'm doing I have it all planned out 
The plan is to take care of you. Not abandon you. To give you a future and a hope. I know some of us are going through some things even in this ministry and, and around us in business and everywhere. But listen, we gotta, we got to fix our eyes on Him right now because He's the one that's orchestrating this. He is getting us all out of bondage because time's up. Time's up. There's a clock ticking. And only the Father knows, go, only the Father knows the time that He says, go get my children. Only the Father knows that time. So He's ready to put His plan and His purpose in your life before the, founda- before the foundation of the world. Listen, He placed it in your heart. It's in your heart. The plan of God is in your heart. You see, the whole blueprint of God is in your heart. But He just opens up a page at a time. A page at a time. Because if he opened up the whole thing, the enemy would come in like a flood and try to take you out. So he opens up a page at a time. He doesn't give us any more than what we can bear. Thank God for that. He does not give us any more than what we can bear. He placed it in your heart. But listen. You weren't called to figure it out. You were called to embrace the power that has it figured out and brings it to pass. This is the power right here. See the treasures? This is the excellence of the power of God. For those of you who hadn't seen these visions, these are three visions the Lord gave me about three months ago. And we've got Titan working on the artwork, but um, so many people have been set free since uh, we've introduced these visions. But the power, the power of God. Our faith should be in what? The power of God. Our faith should be in the power of God. God starts, listen, God rang the, showed me this t- today when I was in meditation. He said, I start from your future and I move it into your present. Listen to that. He starts with our future and moves it into our present. Now we got a different mindset. This is, this is an unrenewed mindset that's, that thinks this way because it's tainted and spotted with Adam's failure. It starts with your past and moves into your present. How many of you had that mindset? I start with my past and I move it into my present. That's an unrenewed mind. God says, nope, I start with your future and I move it into your presence. Present, present tense. That's a renewed mind. He thinks like God. The past does not determine the present.
I'm going to get into this message now. I'm trying to build a little foundation uh, so that your faith, your faith, you need your faith to rise up. Because we have to start where God starts so that we can finish the way He finishes. And the lady that came up and gave her gave the testimony about, about my life I was thinking, my God, you can turn a mess into a message of love. I was a mess. Don't you, wouldn't it be nice just to have somebody video, video camera, cameraing you that the whole time when you were lost and you were doing all this crazy stuff and just revisit that every once in a while? Wouldn't that stimulate your faith to go back and see how you were? That would work, wouldn't it? Mason, get ready. Get the video on little Cohen. Because the Lord already said he's a pastor. So when he's in that rebellious state, get your video camera out. <laughs> no wonder dad's enjoying life right now. Because <laughs> he sure couldn't enjoy it when I was hanging around. Lord Jesus. I looked at the Greek and the in the Hebrew of the word Satan. And this is what it said an opponent, a hater, an accuser, an adversary, an enemy, the resistor, the obstructor, the hinderer, the withstander the tormentor, the deceiver, the liar. How many of us are experiencing any of those? Satan is opposed to you becoming more like God. He don't care if you stay right where you are because you're not a threat to him. If you stay right where you are, you're not a threat to him. But if you start moving... If you start applying the word, if you start yielding to God, God starts yielding to you, there's going to be some changes. And you can't stay in this ministry and get, get in this kind of worship and listen to this kind of revelation and start applying it in your life without change happening. Change is going to happen. And change is a blessing. It's a blessing. I thank God that he doesn't show us the whole picture. So we're going to title this, No Other Gods. And we're going to start with Exodus 23. 23. Exodus 23 says, You shall have no other gods before me. Listen, one occupied spot has seven gods. One of these, two of these actually have seven gods. And the spot is in our soul. And for, you, for those, when did I teach this? Last Saturday or Saturday before? Get the CD because I went from the beginning to the end. I'm just kind of building on it now. But it'll really lay a good foundation on, on these spots. But listen, look how many gods are there. And Jesus is saying, 
have no other gods before me. So let's look at uh, let's look at rejection. We have a strong man here that's influenced by two spirits, and what are they? Balaam and Korah. Balaam is spirit of greed. Korah is spirit of rebellion. And we have all these other gods, non-trusting, fear, manipulation, sex for approval, man-pleaser, materialism. These are little demons. They are the strong man's defense system. Okay? So when the truth comes near to the forbidden territory, the defense system kicks out. And it could be one, or it could be two. But as long as you hold on to that stronghold, it's going to be all of them at some point, because you're going to grow into that. You'll grow into that fruit. So, as we said before, manipulation, how does that have anything to do with rejection? How does materialism have anything to do with rejection? I asked the Lord the same thing. He said, Satan is the master at disguising himself to be something he's not. That's why there's no correlation to that. That's how he keeps that secret. His goods are rejection, shame, and unforgiveness. And these are false gods that that go before our God at our will. We choose to yield to these false gods out of lack of revelation. Now that you've got a picture of what's happening in the unseen realm, it's going to be easier, a lot easier not to yield to these gods. Isn't it? And when you don't yield to these gods, you'll have the victory. It will come down. The strong man will come down. But Exodus 24, the Lord said, I visit the iniquity which is sin of the fathers upon the, upon the children of the third and fourth generations of those, listen to this, it says, of those who hate me. But listen what it's saying here. God makes the visit. God makes the visit. We want to, be, we want to blame the devil for everything, right? But this verse says, I visit. The iniquity. So God is visiting the spirit of iniquity that's in the strong man, the stronghold. Whatever has a stronghold on our life, God is going to make a visitation because the trespasser is in the temple. So God visits to the third and fourth generations. And it says he visits those who hates him. Well, who would that be? I know you don't hate God. We don't hate God. So he visits those who hate him. Who hates him? Satan. The strong man. And his defenses. Hate God. Because Jesus said if they hated, hated you, they hated me. Before they hated you. So if you don't have somebody hating you, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Ephesians 5.13 says, But when anything is exposed and corrected by the truth, it is made visible and clear, and where everything is visible and clear, there is truth. So who's doing the exposing? 
Who's doing the correcting? The truth. The revelation that's coming forth, which is sent out by God. And that revelation, this is revelation, makes everything visible and clear. So God visits the spot with the truth. And all of us have been here. I've been here. You ever had that feeling when truth gets near and somebody speaks truth to you and you just want to react? You remember those times you just want to react? You want to rebel? You want to fear? Anger? Bitterness? Listen, that's not you. That's an influence that's keeping you from receiving that truth that just came near you. Listen, the kingdom of God is always at hand. Where's my music? The kingdom of God is always at hand. What does that mean? It's always close enough where you can touch it with your hand. It's always close enough where you can touch it with your hand. It's always around you. That's why the enemy works through the ones that are closest around you. Because none of us are perfect. We're working on that. Jesus said to be perfect as I am perfect. Don't you know this is a perfect man? I asked one of the pastors uh, Friday, I said, I said, uh, what is the disciple of Christ? What is a disciple of Christ? He couldn't answer me. I think he just didn't know, he just didn't want to say the wrong thing. Well, two verses explain what a disciple of Christ is. And one of them is in the book of John. It says, if you abide in me, and my word abides in you. Why did he have to say it twice? You abide in me, and my word abides in you. Where's the word going to abide? In your head. The spirit abides in your heart. The word abides in your head. He said, if you abide in me, my word abides in you. Now you can ask anything you want, and I'll do it for you. It says, by this, my Father is glorified. Well, Jesus, the Father doesn't need any more glory, but he's glorified in your receiving. And it goes on in the next verse, it says, and you'll be my disciple. So what made, the, what made the disciple? Getting the word. And all right, hid. And another verse said, uh, if you keep my word, you are my disciple. If you keep my word, you are my disciple. When does he want you to keep the word? Why don't we keep the word in the trials? 
Why don't we keep the word in, in, in temptation? Did I hear amen over there? No? <laughs> Listen, we are holding him back from coming to get us. That's a miserable place out there. And we are holding him back from coming. We are discussing the rapture, the caught up, which takes place when the bride is washed. And I said, how in the world is the whole church going to get washed? That's going to take forever because people are being born every day. And we all kind of came into agreement there. There, there are remnants right now. This is one remnant here that have been called out of religion and being washed by the blood of the Lamb and the regeneration of the Spirit. And these, these remnant churches are rising up. And when they get washed, it's going to provoke Jesus to come back. And what's going to happen is uh, the, the, the carnal Christians that are around that ring will get caught up as well. You see? Somebody's got to be the forerunner. But Jesus will not deny himself. And we had this debate. I love this Friday afternoon. It's, it, we're going through these debates and kind of fleshing things out that we come into agreement. See, the leaders aren't into agreement. When the leaders come into agreement with the truth, then you're going to have some power going on. But I said, a lot of people think you can lose your salvation. How can you lose your salvation? Jesus said, I, I'm not going to deny myself where you go, where I'm going, you're going. Isn't that what he said? Once, once the spirit is regenerated and connected to heaven, how can you lose your salvation? What's stronger than Christ? Nobody's stronger than Christ. And I said to them, what that, because it says in Corinthians, if you do these things, if you do these things, if you do these things, you will not inherit the kingdom. We immediately think, well, they're not going to heaven if you keep doing these things. But that, and it says in Galatians, works of the flesh, if you do these things, you will not inherit the kingdom. The Apostle Paul was speaking to the church. The born-again church. But there's a key word that's in there that says, you will not inherit. The inherit part is what you've got to look at. See, we received the kingdom at the born-again experience. So the kingdom is in us. But we have not received or inherited the fullness of that kingdom. This man right here has inherited the fullness of the kingdom 
that get deposited over here. Can you see that? So this man, if he stayed there the rest of his life and he died, and all this stuff is going on in his head, and all this fruit's going on in his head, if he died, he's going to heaven. I'll have a debate with anybody about that because the blood covers the spirit and the soul. The blood covers the spirit and the soul. The salvation that you lose is the salvation here of not working it out. You getting it? This? You getting it? Okay. Because there's going to be a lot of debates on this because we are called to the carnal Christians. We are called to the religious group because God loves them all. And we got to get this down because there is going to be some debates. So you can lose your salvation by not working it out. You can just hold on to it. Salvation is renovation, making something whole. You don't have to make something whole here on the earth. You can stay just like you are right here. Are we getting this? And when they're caught up and, and go to the throne, there's different levels of rewards. There's different levels of rewards. So let's go back to Ephesians 5.13. But when anything is exposed and corrected by the truth, it is made visible and clear. And where everything is visible and clear, there is truth. Listen, the more we blame the devil, the more we are in error. And if anybody's got any questions, we're going to have a question and answer thing after you know I get finished. I'm, I'm flow, I just want to flow with the anointing right now. We got to stop blaming the devil because we're in error if we keep blaming the devil. And you're going to find out later in this message that God allows these things to come because truth has come near the forbidden territory that's in us. Thank God for His mercy and His love not to leave us ignorant. Thank God for His mercy and love that He's not leaving us ignorant. Not, he's not leaving us stuck. There's so many Christians stuck. There's so many Christians held back. And what's holding us back are these three spots right here. You'll, it'll, it'll narrow it down to one of these three. But Verdice and I were talking uh, Friday, I think it was, yesterday, that when we ministry, minister these things out, that we got to start with this one right here. Because when the Lord gave me the vision, He gave it to me just like this. And this is the order. Unforgiveness, shame. If we, if we come over here and try to minister out this rejection get it out of the people, we're in error 
because we got to get back to the unforgiveness. And there's so much unforgiveness in the people, they don't realize it's in there. Now listen, forgiveness is in your spirit. Forgiveness is in your spirit. If you're born again, forgiveness is in your spirit. The residue of the unforgiveness is in your soul. Okay? That's why the enemy sets up his traps. So that he can cause someone to come into your life to, to cause a problem and uh, be a stumbling block and a trespasser. And then and unforgiveness is alive again. He sends the Spirit to make it alive again. And that could have happened a long time ago. Could have happened at eight years old, six years old. Uh, your best friend just kind of just kind of made you mad, and and you got unforgiveness towards him. That was how that's how long ago it was. Well, in my mind, I've forgiven everybody. There's nobody I, I haven't forgiven. But in my fruit, I haven't forgiven. In my symptoms, I have not forgiven. Even though the defenses of Satan do not correlate with unforgiveness, but if I've got any of these things, then unforgiveness is in me, capping off my undiscovered potential and my destiny. How many people believe that they are in their destiny right now? Raise your hand. Praise the Lord. You are in your destiny. Praise the Lord. That's a blessed place to be. Now, now, now all you have to do is grow in that. And that's a blessing. So the rest of you didn't raise your hand. Let's check this out. And listen, if anybody wants one-on-one -on -one ministry... I'm settled up with Verdice. I'll be glad. Verdice and I and Charles and some of us will go into the conference room and we'll let the Lord minister this out and get freed up. But that's got to get, because the Father, what did the Father say? If you don't forgive, He can't forgive. Don't forgive, He can't forgive. Strongholds. So you got no other god. You know what? No other gods. There's no other gods in the temple. No other gods in the temple. We're getting rid of the strongholds. We're getting rid of their defenses. And listen, these defenses, they don't have to be in you. That don't mean you got all these demons going on in you. There's just a stronghold on you. And see, there's no distance in the spirit. So when truth is spoken, the whole spiritual realm hears the truth. And Satan's de defenses come like lightning and begin to send that fiery dart into your mind. These are fiery darts. Strongholds. Let's go to strongholds. Strongholds are resistant to the truth. 
That is the best definition of a stronghold. They are resistant to the truth. I look back now, my years of walking with the Lord and 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 receiving this kind of revelation, and I can picture myself in that place. I can really capture the moment in that place where truth came near and I was resistant because I wanted to hold on to what I didn't know was a false idol my flesh I want to hold on to things relationships and stuff like that uh, I wanted to hold on to so when prophets would come, I'd go to, I'd love church. I, lo, I, I couldn't, you couldn't keep me out of the church. Every time the door was open, I was in church. Three, four times a week. And prophets would come over and prophesy. Truth. And I could feel that resistance rising up. And I, I never understood what it was. But that truth that got too close to the forbidden territory and the resistance was the influence of the enemy claiming his spot claiming his claim on our soul strongholds listen they are linked to imaginations reasonings and thoughts Imaginations, pictures in the mind. There's, there, there's, there's a difference between an imagination coming out of your head and a, and a vision coming out of your spirit. There's a big difference. Because usually the imaginations in your head have something to do with sin, but it's covered up. Revelations that come out of your spirit have a lot to do with God and there's no sin in revelation. So imaginations, reasonings, and thoughts are always linked to strongholds. Thinking patterns based on traditions, negative experiences, and past thinking. Thinking patterns based on traditions, negative experiences, and past thinking. That's how you can define. Listen, take good notes and, and write down your question because we, you got to get this. We're, we are identifying strongholds. We're, we're going into a deeper level of identifying a stronghold. This, these visions are very elementary on identifying a stronghold. But now we're going into a deeper level of identifying a stronghold. So it's a thinking pattern based on tradition, negative experiences, and past thinking. Listen, I cannot... People ask me what happened yesterday. Lee asked me something the other day about what happened yesterday. I said, Lee, I, I don't think about yesterday. It's a waste of time to think about yesterday. What good is yesterday? For today. I want to think like my God thinks. And what he is bringing my future. Bringing my future into my present. 
That's what I want to think on. I want to be looking that way and not this way. Okay? So a person that continues to look this way has got a stronghold. Because a stronghold keeps pulling them back this way. They're established in the mind. <clears throat> but listen to this. Write this down. Behind every stronghold is a lie. A place of personal bondage where God's word is not resonant. A stronghold behind every stronghold is a lie. A place of personal bondage. Just write down my bondage. This is my bondage. Because if you don't have the victory in some area of your life, there's a bondage. There's something holding you back. Behind every lie, listen to this, is the spirit of fear. Now this is coming from the throne room of God. Behind every lie is the spirit of fear. And behind every fear is a false God. Behind every fear is a false God. False gods have zero power. Because there's only one God. And he's got all the power. So all these false gods have zero power. So how do they get power in your life? Your faith gives them power. That's right. Your faith gives them power. Idols exist wherever there is Idols exist wherever there exists a failure to trust God and his provision. Idols exist whenever there's a failure to trust God and his provision. Strongholds are forceful, stubborn, opinionated, like poverty. It's poverty. Opin. United, <laughs> like Parat. <laughs> Argumentative. Argumentative. Strongholds are argumentative. And they are resistant to Christ.
Did everybody get those? All right, let's go to 2 Corinthians 10.4, which says, 2 Corinthians 10.4 says, Our weapons of warfare against the stronghold, which is the idol, are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. <clears throat> so weapons that pull down these strongholds, there's three weapons. You want to get this. There's three weapons that pull down these strongholds. Because if you can get these weapons down and understand these weapons and use them in your faith, by faith, use them, then you won't have to have anybody minister to you. You know why? Because you're a minister. Everybody sitting in here is a minister. All right, number one. The Word. Hebrews 4, 12, and 13. The Word. Number two. The blood of the cross. It's in Revelation 12, 11. Number three. The name of Jesus. It's in Mark 16, 17. The word, the blood, and the name are your weapons. The word, the blood, and the name are your weapons. So when you feel this strong man start tugging at you, start pulling on your soul, Verdice typed them all up. God gave me the, remember I said that the Lord gave me the scriptures the word to defend Satan's defense. And what the Lord gave me, he gave me a minimum of two scriptures. One, one for educational and one for victory. So when you get those packages, one was for educational and one for victory. And some of them had three scriptures. But if you'll get that and you feel that, you speak that word. You confess that word over that influence. And then you smite it with the blood of Jesus. You smear it, apply it with the blood. The Lord has used me in so many, quote, exorcisms. And all he told me to do was just keep pleading the blood of Jesus. I never quoted a scripture. Never sang a song, never did anything to get this demon out. All I did, I plead the blood of Jesus over you. I plead the blood of Jesus over you. I plead the blood of Jesus. I didn't stop. The blood was so much, so much torment to that spirit, it came out screaming. So that tells you how much torment. The, the devil does not want to be tormented. But when you speak the blood of Jesus, he is tormented. And the more you speak it, the more he's tormented. And he'll come out. Then in the name of Jesus, you call those things that are not as though they are. You call that thing just like you want it now. You call it according to your desire that's in your heart that God put it in you. Because the enemy had taken the place of that desire in your mind. 
So those are the three. Now, all these are employed strongholds. As these, as these weapons are employed, strongholds are going to come down. Bondages are going to be confronted. Faith applies the word. Listen, you've got to have faith to apply the word. If you don't have faith to apply the word, there's no power in the word. Your faith empowers the word. Satan knows the word, but he has no power. He quoted the word to Jesus, but that word didn't have any power on it. Can you imagine quoting the word to the word? Can you imagine the, the, the Pharisees and Sadducees quoting the word to the word, standing in front of them? Anthony, come on, can you imagine that? He's a teacher. <laughs> quoting the word to the word. Now, can you imagine the love Jesus had? In their ignorance. I love grace because it covers ignorance. I said, Lord, keep me ignorant all the time. Because <laughs> grace covers ignorance. Mercy covers disobedience. If we can just keep that down. Mercy covers disobedience. Grace covers ignorance. I got both of them working all the time. Faith does it. Ephesians 6.16 says the shield of faith is able to quench the fiery darts of the evil one. You see what faith does? Your faith, which is a spirit. Listen, we all have faith when we're born. We have faith in ourselves. We have faith we can do things. But when we get born again, the spirit of faith comes. And that's when the power comes. That's when you're empowered to do things for God is the spirit of faith. The word. The word is in your hand. Look at the weapons of the, of, of the scripture. It says, speak the word to bring the thought into captivity. You speak the word to bring the thought into captivity. So when you get those things, uh, those, those, those defenses from Verdice, you speak that word, and what happens is, Everything starts with a thought. The strong man is influenced by a thought. So when you speak that word, you bring that thought into captivity to the obedience of that word. Listen, when, you get, when, when, when we get revelation in Scripture from the third heaven, from, from the throne of heaven, can you imagine when you start speaking those words, when those thoughts come and you start speaking that scripture, how much victory you're going to have? Just like that. These things are coming down. Apply the blood. It will cleanse the spot, redeem it back to God. This is what the Lord was telling me. He said, Gene, speak the word to bring the thought into captivity. Apply the blood and it will cleanse the spot and redeem it back to God. See the spot right now is covered because we allowed it to get covered. We allowed it to get influenced by the lack of knowledge. It, we, we went into captivity in certain areas of our life. So, so when we speak the word and apply the blood, the blood cleanses the spot because the blood cleanses sin and redeems it back to God. And then number three was, in the name of Jesus... It says these signs will follow. You will cast out devils. You will speak in new tongues. 
You will take up snakes in your hands. You will drink poison. It shall not harm you. And you shall lay hands on the sick and it, it shall not recover. They shall recover. They shall recover. Listen. If anybody ever gets in a debate with you about tongues, that tongues were had ceased. Show them that scripture right there. I, I, I've, I've debated with a lot of religious ministers. And... He said, Gene, tongues are gone. That's, that, that's from the devil coming out of you. From the devil coming out of you. But listen. Show him that scripture right there. It says, a new tongue. Now, a new tongue is a tongue that's what? Never been heard before. Come on. <laughs> Mark sixteen seventeen. A new tongue. Yeah. I said, and I, I said, let me, let me, let me, let me just show you how this tongue works. And I'll go off in tongues and that power gets released. And you talk about fear showing up. You talk about their, their faith being rift in pain. When you go off out of the unction of the Spirit and go in that new tongue, there's some supernatural uh, things going on. But I'm just teaching you tonight because, because you are called to the carnal Christian, you are called to the religious group. Because God says, I desire all men to be saved. So I'm teaching you some of the debates that I have to go through. Tongues is a, is a big one. God gives us delegated authority to use His Word, His blood, and His name to clean up and restore the temple, which is your body, right? So when we are disobedient in doing so, guess who does it? He does. We're supposed to clean it up. We're supposed to work out our salvation. We're supposed to work out the salvation that's in my spirit into my head. So it can go into my body. And it can go into my household. And it can go into my finances and our possessions. We have to work it out, is what it's saying. So if we don't do it, God's going to do it. And he says that in 1 Corinthians 3 through 17. I'm going to read that. 1 Corinthians 3.15 says, If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he will be saved. So if anyone's work has been without God, then 
then it, you're going to have some loss. And all of us have been there, right? Have we done things without God? And, and, and God is just pulling those things away from us now? Because everything we do without God develops some kind of bondage in our life. But it goes on in 1 Corinthians 3.16. It says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God? And the Spirit of God lives in you. Say, I'm the temple of God. The temple of God. The God of the universe is in you. Because of Jesus. Can you imagine? The one that created this mass is in you. And in you. Don't you think we ought to be in touch with him a little more? Because if he can do all that, and he decided to live in me, what do you think he's going to do with me? Jesus said, what? You will do greater works than I did. Why? Because Jesus is one man. We are many. And Jesus, while he was on this earth, never saved anybody. And the greater work is getting somebody saved. Salvation didn't come until after he was lifted. Amen? So the greater work he gave us, and that is to get all men saved. His desire is to get all men saved, but you have to execute his desire. Heaven, heaven, Bernice, heaven rejoiced the other day. Bernice led someone to Christ, a little 14-year-old girl. Heaven rejoiced. And I gave you a testimony last week. I was getting my hair cut, was it last week or a month ago? I don't know when it was. Um, about a month ago. And as I this homosexual cuts my hair. He works for a guy that cut my hair since I was 18 years old, Charles Rudd. One thing about me, I'm very loyal. <laughs> I hold on. Hold on, people. But I said he kept, he kept messing my hair up. He cut it wrong every time. Every time. And that was the hand of the Lord. You can't, if God, st if, if the Lord st starts messing things up in your life through somebody, don't blame that person. God's orchestrating all that. He's trying to get you to move to another location. So God wanted me to move to the other side of the wall where this homosexual guy was. So I went. And every time he cuts my hair, the whole time I'm talking about God. He's talking about God. I'm talking about God. And the whole time we were talking about God, for the last six months, 30 days ago, the girls that wash your hair in the shampoo bowl, you know, came around the corner. They heard that he was finishing up my hair, you know, came around the corner. Tears said, would you lead me to Jesus Christ? 
the anointing, the grace is in the marketplace. It's not in these church buildings. It's in the marketplace. It's in buildings. There's grace in the church, but there's greater grace right now in this hour in the marketplace because we, we see it. I don't think there's a meeting we have over there that someone doesn't get touched by God. Every day somebody gets touched by God and ends up right over here. Most of them end up right over here. And it didn't used to be that way. So you are the temple of God. 1 Corinthians 3.17 says, If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. Repeat this. Say, if anyone makes the temple of God unclean, dirty, polluted, God will destroy him. So who's God going to destroy? No, he ain't going to destroy you. <laughs> The strong man. You're not a him. You're a son. You're a daughter. Sons and daughters of Christ. You're not a him. So he says, I will destroy him. So God is taking charge now, it sounds like to me. He is making an unexpected visitation. Isn't that always the way it happens? He makes unexpected visitations, and we think it's the devil. Remember, he said, I visit the iniquity to the third and fourth generations. So if a trial has come, God is visiting the one on trial, the strong man. If opposition has come, opposition is a sign of God saying, I am well pleased with you, and now I am promoting you. I feel the anointing strong. Whew, Jesus. Satan is opposed to your promotion. Because in your promotion, his kingdom is demoted. In your promotion, his kingdom is demoted. And that makes him angry. Therefore, he opposes what God is fixing to do with you. Listen, he sees everything that God is doing. He's a spirit. You can't see everything that God is doing. We walk by faith. But the enemy sees everything because it passes through the second heaven. He's a spirit. So when heaven announces, I'm ready to promote my son or my daughter, the enemy hears it. He sets up opposing forces to keep you from that advancement. So what do you do in your opposition? You put your praise on. You put your thanksgiving on. Praise on. You put your thanksgiving 
on. Remember, we quote the word, we speak the blood, and we, 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 we use the name of Jesus to do warfare on the strongholds, the strong man. But when opposition comes, we put our praise on. We put our thanksgiving on. Because promotion is in motion. And praise releases His power. Praise releases His power against your opposer. Unexpected visits. God is destroying Him who defiles your temple. The strong man. Why do I feel like He's destroying me? Why do I feel like He's destroying me? I said years years and years of pursuing God and and flowing in miraculous miracles and healings, opening up blind eyes, all this stuff was going on. And the very next day, all hell would break loose for two or three days. It went on for two or three days. Everything around me broke loose. So I started getting angry with God. I said, God, if you can't protect me, I'm not doing this anymore. Because it was bad. I said, if you can't protect me, I am not doing this anymore. And this is what he said. He said, I can't protect which you are keeping me from protecting. And that's your soul. You see, I had spots that Satan had a claim on. And every time I exercised out of my spirit man the giftings of miracles and healings, the enemy would come to the spot and bring trouble. Are we getting this? Now, I can still flow in those giftings. And trouble still comes. But guess what? It doesn't come through me. It doesn't pass through me. The trials, the trouble is a sign that I am on track. That I am pressing in to the kingdom. Satan had a claim. So why do I feel like he's destroying me? We partake of whatever we are partnering in. We partake 
of whatever we are partnering in. In other words, we can partner with the Word and with the blood and with the name of Jesus and partake in the blessings of God, right? Or we can partake with the lie, the strong man, the curse, and partake of the curses. So we, we, we're going to feel the effects of whatever we're associated with, whatever we are joined with, we're going to feel the effects when God comes to make a visit. We will feel the effects of what we are, part, what we are partnering with. So God destroys the strong man because he is anchored in the soul. He's anchored. He's anchored through fears. He's anchored through anxieties. And, and when the strong man begins to d- detach himself, what happens is you will feel pain. Because pain is a sign that sin was resonant. Pain is a sign that sin was resident. For the Spirit, the Word, and the blood have to take that place. James 1 2. Falling into the enemy's judgment. James 1 2. My brethren, count all joy when you fall into various trials. So what he's saying is, be joyful about the outcome. What's coming to you when the trial is over? Remember Jesus, he said, for the joy set before him, he what? Endured the cross. The joy set before him, he endured the cross. So the cross wasn't the joy. He endured the cross to lay hold of the joy. What was the joy? You. You. Us. Was his joy. Trials. Are for us. A test run of our faith. A test run of our faith. Listen. Are we going to have faith. In our God. Or these other gods? These high, these high things. Remember, Corinthians said, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Are we going to have faith in the high things in our life? Or are we going to have faith in God? Jesus said in one short scripture, he said, have faith in God. God. So when God visits and puts the enemy on trial, it is to remove the lie and replace it with the truth. So he can lead us into triumph. Jesus said, I am constantly leading you into triumph. So we are more than conquerors through him who is with us and not against us. Jesus will never be against you ever be against you. That way, nobody gets the credit but God. Say, but God. But God gets the credit. 
So we count it all joy when we fall into the enemy's judgments. Now listen, write this down. Count, count. Count is an appraisal of the trial from God's perspective. Count is an appraisal of the trial from God's perspective. And God's perspective is You can write these verses down. Jeremiah 29, 11. Jeremiah 30, 17. And Jeremiah 32, 27. This is God's perspective in Jeremiah 29, 11. He says, I know the thoughts I think towards you, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and to give you a hope. Jeremiah 30, 17 says, For I will restore health to you and heal you of your wounds. And then Jeremiah 32, 27 says, Behold, I am the Lord God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? And then Jeremiah 33, 14 says, Behold, I love this one. The days are coming, says the Lord that I will perform the good thing which I have promised. That's God's perspective. Behold, I will perform the good thing which I have promised. Now let's recap these things real quick. God's thoughts are all good towards me, right? God restores health and heals the wound. Then he performs that good thing which he has promised. Listen, until the wounds are healed, he can't perform. Did you get that? I've watched so many people come out of relationships and jump into another one. Don't you know that relationship's not going to last? God won't allow it to last because the wounds are not healed.